Praise the Lord for a successful first journey from the bench up here. <laughs> the Lord has been so faithful. And what a beautiful service we've already had this morning. As I thought about this morning, and I thought about as this new chapter starts not only in my family's life, but in the life of Providence, so many questions, so many jitters, to be honest with you. Jim assured me this morning that this is a very forgiving church. I may require some of that in the weeks and months to come as we learn, as we, as we proceed forward. I want to thank Josh for taking care of the greeting and the announcements this morning. That was a request of mine until I get my feet under me a little bit. And the leadership team has been extremely supportive, and I praise God for that, for the team that he has put in place here. Um, as we look forward... I just seek to learn about each of you personally, about the church as a whole. I told the praise team this morning, I'm not coming in here looking to start changing things, making wholesale changes. My desire is to see how things function now and fit into that system. And my personality will slowly emerge and, and we'll tweak a few things here and there as the Lord leads and as it fits. And you'll find out that Sean and I, your former pastor, are very different. Not only in the physical differences. We've been compared to David and Goliath. <laughs> Ironically, I get the short end of that analogy. But <laughs> with those physical differences, there are different, we, we handle things different. We have different personalities, just as each of us are in our Christian walks. And I... My prayer is that my personality will fit in and we'll be able to minister in whatever way God leads us in that. So I ask for continued interest in your prayers as we proceed forward. And again, we do look forward to getting to know each and every one of you and the opportunity to just merge into this church, to become a part of this family. And we thank you each for the opportunity. As you see in your bulletins, I've chosen to start off in the book of Galatians, in Paul's letter to the Galatians. This has always been a very dear book to me. And the center of it is our freedom in Christ. And no, we don't want to abuse that freedom in Christ, but that freedom in Christ gives us such peace. And that's what we want to talk about this morning as we look at the introduction to that book. You see, it's only through the grace of God in Jesus Christ is a person able to escape the curse of our sins. Only by His grace, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, are we able to escape that curse. And of the law. Praise God, we don't have to live under the law. We are free from the law. Again, we know that Christ didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. And he's now He's written that on our hearts. But we also have the power to live a new life. Not only did He save us from the curse of sin, He gives us the power through His grace to live a new life, to live a life with Him. That is the essence of Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Not only we can escape from the curse of sin, and we have the power to live lives for Christ by that sacrifice, by His gift. Looking at this book, the historical setting of it, 
the scholars have estimated it was written around A.D. 50. This would have been 15 or 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. So the church was still very, very young. 15 years may seem like a lifetime to some of you in this room. Some of you haven't even lived that long. Some of you have seen a lot of changes in those 15 years. 13 years ago, I married my wife. A lot of changes in that time. But in the scope of eternity, this was a very short time, and people were still learning. And the church was kind of on autopilot. They were still trying to sort things out. And the gospel message was preached by Jews primarily to the Jews. It was slowly expanding out to the Gentiles. It was becoming available to the Gentiles. And praise the Lord, because we are Gentiles. Most of us in this room. I don't know if we have any from Jewish descent here or not. But most of us are Gentiles. So praise the Lord, it expanded out from the Jewish uh, church. From, and it was able to expand out. Um, it included the Gentiles. And praise God for that. But in reaching out to the Gentiles, this caused questions. Because the Jews were used to living under the law. They were used to living by the law. And the questions that were raised were, was it necessary for a Gentile to observe the Jewish laws to become a Christian, to be a Christian, to live as a Christian? Should a Gentile be circumcised was another question. Could Gentiles and Jewish Christians even eat together? Seems like a lot of strange questions, doesn't it? If they're Christians, they should be able to fellowship together. But there was a cultural situation here that they had to work through. That they had to feel their way through and learn through. In a way, what we're looking at is the very first denominations. The Jews and the Gentiles. You know, we have a lot of denominations today. And if you look at the denominations, it's a lot of cultural things. There's differences in doctrine. But in the, the bulk of the Protestant denominations, the differences are cultural. And praise God that a lot of those walls have been torn down. There's still some there between various denominations, and we don't, I don't want to pick on different ones at all, but we see differences in denominations. And what we need to do, what we need to seek to do, is in the love of Christ to tear down those walls. And that's what they were facing here. They had a lot of questions that they had to face to tear down those walls. And this issue was being debated in Israel and in Antioch and all over the place. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with these Gentiles coming into, quote-unquote, our church? That's what they were facing. In Galatians, the letter, the book of Galatians, is a record of the struggle, the, the, how the struggle was fleshed out in one area, one geographical area. And Paul, through his obedience almost single-handedly changed this as we go through the book we'll see where he confronted peter we'll see how he was very bold about the strength the power and the freedom in our freedom in christ he was very diligent about this and he was very obedient in this and that's what we're going to look at we'll be looking at the first five verses we'll start at verse one paul an apostle not from man nor through man but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself 
for our sins. To deliver us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you for the willingness of your servant, Paul. I thank you for the willingness of all those, Lord, who who obediently serve you, who are heralds for truth, who are heralds for the power that you've given us in your grace. Lord, I just pray for your guidance this morning as we look at this introduction that Paul has given the Galatian church and he has given us, Father, that you have given us through his obedience, Lord. Help us, Lord, to find truth in this, to see the truth in this for us today, Father, and to live in your power, not by our own strength, but in your power, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've divided this up into basically three points. And the first one we'll look at is the authority, the authority that Paul claimed in writing this letter. He said that he was an apostle. And the word apostle itself means sent, one who is sent. And Paul says that he was sent not by men, but by God. Well, how was Paul called? How was he sent by God and not by men? And we look back at, and you don't need to turn to Acts chapter 9, but that's where the account is of where Saul was converted. He was eventually renamed Paul. But that Damascus Road experience, that dramatic experience where Christ came down and he blinded him and he sent him into town to a man called Ananias. Paul was a wretched, wretched man. But God had a purpose for him. He had a plan for his life. And God got a hold of him and changed him. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we see the charge that God, that Jesus gives Ananias to give to Paul. And it says, But the Lord said to him, speaking to Ananias, He says, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings, and the children of Israel. That was the charge that Jesus had for Paul. That was the, the job that he had for him. And we know through the letters that Paul wrote that he was faithful in doing that. And we know that his charge came directly from God. Paul's validity, his authority, was also confirmed by Peter. Peter was one of the closest of the apostles to Christ. We know from reading the Bible that Christ had the 12 apostles who he held close to him, who he discipled as he walked on this earth. We also know that he included three of those in his closest circle. He took them to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took them deeper in the garden with him to pray. And we know that Peter was one of those. We know Peter is the man that Christ said he would, on whom he would build, him church, build his church. And in Peter's second epistle, he had this to say about Paul. In 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 15, he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom, wisdom given to him. As he does in all of his letters when he speaks in the name of Christ. In, one, in these matters, I'm sorry. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the 
ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You see what Peter did there? He took Paul's letters and he put them to the same level as the other scriptures. He didn't say in our scriptures. He didn't single it out. He said the other scriptures. He included Paul's letters as scripture. That's on the authority of another, of one of Jesus' apostles. Paul had the authority and he knew it. And his authority was not through man. It was through Christ himself. Praise God for that authority and praise God for the obedience of Paul and the gift that he gave us. The second point you see is the blessing. The blessing in Paul's introduction to his letter to the Galatians. And you see, Paul specifically in this letter used grace and peace to you. If you look at Paul's epistles, he used these two words and all of them. In some of them, he also added the word mercy. But in all of them, he said grace and peace to you. What does this greeting mean? Well, he was wishing his readers the benefits of both of these greetings. You see, grace was the traditional Greek greeting of the time. And peace was a Jewish greeting. Many of you have probably heard the word shalom. You've heard that used as a greeting in, in Jewish circles. I've, heard it, I've seen it in movies. I've read it in places. The word peace here is the Greek word that is the same as the Hebrew word shalom. And that's the greeting that he's giving us in these letters. These two words used together in the gospel message, together they achieve a very deep meaning as we look at them. Grace reminded Paul's readers of the gift of salvation. It's through God's grace that we are saved, that we are pulled out of the curse of sin. It was by His grace, by His sacrifice. That's what the grace greeting should mean to us as Christians. Peace should remind us of Christ's offer of peace to His disciples, of support, of strength to us as we walk this walk, as we live this life. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Christ says, Peace I leave with you, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. What a gift. What a gift. He's telling us that peace is available to us through His grace, through His gift. The Christian letters, the letters, not only Paul's letters, but other epistles, they not only express the wish for peace, but they identify the source of peace. You know, in our lives today, we try to find peace in all kinds of areas, don't we? We try to, we want to live by standards. Sometimes standards, I mean, basically law seems inviting to us. It's been said that the reason the the Muslim religion is so attractive is because there's peace in it. If you check off all these items on this list, then then you're going to go to heaven. 
It's not true. The only way that we're going to get into heaven is by believing and trusting in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we do, we can in our flesh, try to find peace. And we can for a time possibly find peace in laws and regulations. But it, won't, it will not last. We can't maintain it under our own power, under our own flesh, under our own strength. It's only by the grace of God. You see, if grace summarizes God's gift to us, the gift of salvation, the saving grace of God, if grace summarizes that, then peace summarizes the personal results of that gift. Peace is what is given us to live this life. You can basically sum it up as escape and strength. Escape from our sins, strength to live this life. True peace comes only from a right relationship with God, from a right relationship with Jesus Christ, and nothing else. No man made rules, no social status. No living a good life. Only from a trust and hope in Jesus Christ. Because peace comes from God, our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ. The reality is life is hard. And we're going to face a lot of challenges. I myself cannot imagine facing the trials of this life without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember a time before I was saved, before I accepted Christ at the age of 15. Everything basically seemed like the end of the world. I was a very emotional young man. I cried at everything. It just seemed like there was no peace, and there wasn't. And since I've accepted Christ as my Savior, there's times I've forgotten. Honestly, I'm human. But God is so faithful in bringing us back. I'm sure each of you have your testimonies how God is faithful in bringing you back and reminding you that, hey, I'm here. Just let me take you. Let me love you. Let me care for you. That's the peace that He offers us. And that's the peace that Paul is going to talk about to us in this book of Galatians. The fact that Christ is there. And yeah, guess what? Sometimes we're going to trip and fall. Not physically, but in our spiritual life. We're going to fail. But God is faithful there next to us to pick us up, to help us dust ourselves off, to learn from our failures, to learn from our shortcomings. And Paul's going to talk to us in this letter about coming alongside of each other. When those shortcomings come, to be faithful, to be gentle, and restoring each other. Not condemning each other, but lifting each other up. All of that is available to us by the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. And finally, in Paul's introduction, the gift. The source of all of this that we've been talking about this morning. Grace summarizes God's gift to us. Jesus' sacrifice was ultimate. Nothing else could do it. 
It was the ultimate sacrifice. There's nothing greater than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that could accomplish what had to be accomplished. It was voluntary. They did not take our Savior's life. He gave it. He gave it for us. Finally, it was substitutionary. He didn't have to die for himself. He didn't have to die for his own sins. He was sinless. That's why it was the ultimate sacrifice. His sacrifice was substitutionary for us. He died for our sins and not his own. He loved us that much. This was not an accident that he did this. It was purposeful and it was the ultimate act of love. We can only be saved through Christ. The result of Jesus' gift was to rescue us from this evil world. Now wait a minute, we're still here. We're still living in this world. We're still facing everything. Day-to-day problems. Day-to-day issues. Day-to-day struggles. I put my faith in Christ and I'm still here. Yes, you are still here. Because Christ has a purpose for you. He didn't save us to take us immediately out of this world. He saved us by His grace and we have a promised eternity with Him. A promised eternity with Christ. And we are promised His guidance and His presence as we serve Him here in this life. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Our desire should be to allow Him to lead us, to be pliable, to follow Him, to serve Him. Being in the world but not of the world means that we participate, we build relationships, but we don't allow the world to define us. We allow God to lead us. Misty, I have a little bone to pick with you. You told me you weren't singing that song this week. That is my favorite song and I requested her to sing it sometime and she said she didn't have a voice. Sounded like she had a voice to me. (laughs) I'm assuming it came back, but thank you. It was a blessing. That song is very, very dear to me. Because if not for his leading, if not for his faithfulness, I would not be a child of God. He has guided me. I've not always followed, but he is faithful to bring me back. And I praise Him for that gift. I praise Him for His sacrifice of His Son. I am so looking forward to going through this book week by week. Next week we take a little break. We step out for a Mother's Day message. But then we get back into this book of Galatians. Looking forward to that. I want to remind you in closing this morning that we have authority. We don't have the same authority that Paul had. His authority reached the level of Scripture. God's word and authority to a level that that we will not achieve. But we each have authority. Why do we have authority? Because we have a faith in Jesus Christ. We have an authority. We are sent. Each of us are sent in some way to serve our Savior, to spread the gospel. We have a freedom to do that, and that's what Paul's going to talk to us about in this book. 
you know, our authority may not be recognized by some because our, our authority is based on our faith in Christ. That doesn't change the fact that we have that authority. And when I say recognized by some, I'm talking about unbelievers, people who don't understand. We should be on our knees for them. We should be praying for them. We should be interceding for them. But we should also understand that they're not going to understand. And that we are just simply called to be faithful to the calling that is on our lives. We have grace and peace. The blessing that Paul gave to this church of Galatia, we have that grace and peace available to us. Sadly, so many people have accepted the saving grace of Jesus Christ and say, I'm okay for eternity, but now I've got to dredge this out. I've got to just push through this life. Yeah, like I said, life's hard. Life can be very hard. But we don't have to do it alone. When we renew our minds, when we focus on the promises of Christ, we can walk step by step behind Him, allowing Him to lead, allowing Him to open the doors. Yeah, there's still going to be struggles, but guess what? God's going to be faithful in using those struggles to teach us, to mold us into His image. That peace is available to each and every one of us when we put our faith in Christ. We are saved and we are empowered to live this life, to live this life victoriously. And yes, we have that gift that Paul spoke of. That gift is what makes this all possible, is what makes a life of peace, a life of eternity with our Creator possible. The gift of salvation, that ultimate gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish shall not die for eternity. We shall have eternal life. I pray that you have claimed that promise this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord. God, I thank you for being faithful through all this, Lord. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your gift. I thank you for your peace. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, to renew our minds, to learn about you, to truly understand you, Father. Lord, that through the renewing of our minds, through our focus on you, learning about you, of you, Father, that that peace becomes so real to us, Father. Yes, challenges will come. Trials will come in this life, Lord. But you are so faithful to carry us through them, Lord. Thank you, and I praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.